morning everyone how are you how is the lockdown treating you i know it's not been good with most of us but anyway we have some hope that today i think it may be lifted up at least the curfew part of it if not the lockdown but i thought i'll start with something funny so i have heard of these three pastors who were in a boat in a lake fishing and one of them said we never let to get our hair down so why not we confess our greatest sins and so that we can pray for each other so the first one said i have a problem with gambling and i sneak out sometimes at night to gamble to which the second one said i have a problem with cheating i rarely pay my taxes and then the third one was sitting quiet for some time and he wouldn't budge so then the others said we won't move from here till you tell us what is your sin to which he said okay my greatest sin is that i love to gossip and i can't wait to get off from here anyway so coming back to joel so today we are sharing the message of prophet joel so before we start let us pray dear heavenly father we pray that the holy ghost speak through me whatever needs to be heard from prophet joel to everyone who's listening to this message and that each one be blessed with the message i ask this in the mighty name of jesus amen so who was this prophet he was the son of petuel joel was written between 835 bc and 800 bc coincidentally joel means jehovah is good what an appropriate timing during these times that we get to know that our god is good what did he have to say the nation of israel was enjoying tremendous prosperity and using the same in the pursuit of pleasure and drunkenness so in in chapter 1 joel says in the first five verses how the locusts invaded all the land and this devastated the economy of israel later on he also tells them that there would be a second invasion which was to occur much later at the end of this age and joel commands the people to recount these events to their children and their grandchildren that is why this book is important even in our day we see that in joel chapter 2 verse 13 he says rend your heart and not your garments 
Return to the Lord your God, for He is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. He relents from sending calamity. Now we see that over and over again, the scriptures tell us that God is gracious, but too often we miss the fullness of what it really means. A person who is gracious is someone who is inclined to do what you want them to do. They are disposed to show favors to those who ask them. Now James 3 verse 17 says, But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Aren't some people exactly as it is explained in the above verse? My grandfather was like that. We dearly loved him because he enjoyed being good to us, giving us pocket money, giving us lollies and always being there for us. He also taught us many attributes by telling us stories of certain successful people which remain with us, uh, the grandchildren, till date. As long as I know, he would never hurt us nor let us do, do away with what we wanted, but rather give it to us. But my grandmother wasn't that way. She often tried to stop him, but she didn't have much success. Despite her protest, he usually ended up doing what he wanted, of being good to us. That was his nature. Similarly, God is the same way. It is difficult to get him to do it is not difficult to get him to do what we want, provided it is in his will. He blesses us to be a blessing to others. On the contrary, he likes to say yes to us. He is disposed to show us favor. My hobby is riding my motorcycle or my pushbike during my spare time. I always look for opportunities or spare time or a nice sunny day like this to do that. Similarly, God's hobby is to look for doing good things for His children, righteous ones. And He's continuously watching for opportunities to bless us and give us what we want. That's why it is said, seek a first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be given to you. Ecclesiastics 3 verses 12 and 13 says, For a man to rejoice and to do good in life, in his life, and also says that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. God wants to give good gifts to people. It is what He loves and enjoys. So much so, no one of the 
Hebrew titles. One of the Hebrew titles for God in the Old Testament is Jehovah is the God. That's why we can boldly go before his throne of Christ to receive what we need from him. That's why we can go in faith and not in fear. We don't have a heavenly father who is hard-hearted and tight-fisted. We have a father who is easily entreated, who greets us with a loving heart and an open hand. We have a father who loves to be good to us. What do we need from him is to be confident, having peace in our hearts, living the abundant life, knowing well that we have the backing of our Father. Why did Joel need to say it? In chapter 2 verse 23 he says, Be glad, people of Zion, rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the autumn rains because he is faithful. He sends you abundant showers, both autumn and spring rains as before. What does autumn represent in the Bible? What does fall represent? It represents spirituality. Autumn reminds us that Jesus will return. Autumn is a time to remember. Autumn is a time to reap a harvest. Autumn and harvest remind us of God's good abundance. What does spring represent in the Bible? For believers, spring is a reminder that God is all about making things new. In fact, Jesus promised to make everything new one day. Revelation 21 verse 5 says that. In the meantime, he gives us glimpses of the coming attractions through spring. There is a spiritual flood coming. God promised it. He's promised us an outpouring of the Holy Spirit power that will bring in greatest harvest of souls any of us have ever seen. The pictures, the pictures God is going to use to pour out His power are right here on earth. Jesus explained it this way, He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. The end time flood we've all been expecting is going to be composed of living waters that will pour forth from believers. The Holy Spirit within us will be the source of all the signs and wonders and miracles the prophets foretold. And we fervently begin to pray the prayer of intercession the flood of that power will begin to flow. Friends, this is what...
we do when we gather and meet in our discipleship groups. We pray. We share the word, we share our experiences and we pray. Zechariah 10 verse 1 says, Ask the Lord for rain in the springtime. It is the Lord who sends the thunderstorms. He gives showers of rain to all people and plants of the field and plants of the field to everyone. Our prayers, our intercession is what will release the great outpouring of God's Spirit. As we begin to join together and become a flood of spiritual power in the earth. So, ask, pray for the Holy Ghost, intercede for the outpouring, make this mighty flood of spiritual power a priority in your prayer life. Glory to God, it's already beginning to rain. The fourth question we have, was there any word of future hope in this message? Again, Joel chapter 2, 28 and 29 says, And afterward I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see vision. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. We are expecting God to pour out His Spirit on this group of young people according to Joel 2.28 which says, I will pour out my Spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy and your young men will see vision. So church, why is this important for us today? Joel 3.10 says, Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears let the weakling say i am strong god can hear the desperation cry of a sinner that's all he can cry about but once you get born again sons and daughters you ought to be crying out of faith god Here's the faith cry. What is a faith cry? It is the calling things that be not as though they were. Romans 4.17 It is what the Bible means when it says, Let the weak say I am strong. Now Apostle Paul knew how to use this faith cry. That's why in Acts 27 he exhorted the men on the battered sinking ship to be of good cheer. He was telling them to start acting by faith. Can't you imagine what those sailors thought when he said that? Listen to this stupid preacher. We are sinking and he says to be of good cheer. We've thrown everything we have overboard and he says to be of good cheer. You may feel just like that, like those sailors did right now in these times. You may feel like your ship is going down. You may feel like crying out in desperation. Sometimes I do. But don't do it. 
Instead, do what Paul said, be of good cheer. Cry out to God in faith and say, Lord, I'm not going to panic. I'm not going to despair. I am going to be of good cheer because your word says so. You will deliver me out of this situation. This is Psalm 34:19. I don't know about you, friends, but I am wholly relying on his word for me and my household. And I don't regret it at all. Never. Let me share this with you. Each of the messages which I have shared with you were actually for me as I benefited from them initially as I shared it with the church, including the current message. So then, start being cheerful. It may take more determination than anything you've ever done before, but God will give you the strength to do it. He will give you the power to be cheerful in the middle of the most ungodly darkness the devil can bring up. Instead of crying out in desperation, take a faith stand, sing and rejoice, and praise God for your deliverance. Be of good cheer, and you can be sure God will bring you through the storm just fine. If your body is weak, and you just keep talking about how weak you are, you will continue to be weak. The Holy Spirit won't have anything to move on to change the situation. So it will remain the same. On the other hand, if you abide the command in Joel 3.10, which says, let the weak say, I am strong, something entirely different will happen. As you say it by faith, I am strong in the Lord and the power of his mind. He is my strength and my redeemer. As it is said in Ephesians 6, 10 and Psalm 19, 14. There will be changes happening. Joel 3, 13 says, Swing the sickle for the harvest is ripe. Come, trample the grapes for the wine press is full and the vats overflow. So great is their wickedness. I read an article by Kenneth Copeland titled Get Your Mind on the Harvest. He said, if you haven't thought of yourself as a harvester before now, start thinking of yourself that way. Renew your mind to the truth of God's word. Dare to believe. The Lord of the harvest is calling you. Yes, you help him bring in his end time crops. He's speaking to you and saying, until now you've known me as the Lord over your seed. You've known me as your bread provider. Now I want you to know me as the Lord and Minister of the Harvest. Harvesters, friends, don't wait one more minute. Open your mouth, your spiritual combine, 
and call in your harvest. As Job 3.13 says, swing the sickle, the harvest is ready. Praise God, we are not just good givers, we are good reapers. And together we are getting really good at reaping. He can restore, our Father can restore what the devil has stolen from us. He can bring us out of lack into prosperity. He can heal our sick bodies. He can minister to our families and solve problems that look totally unsolvable. As what is not possible with man is possible with God. That's why he called, he's called the God of peace. In Hebrew, the word peace is shalom. It means whole, undamaged and intact, with nothing missing and nothing broken. And it describes what God can do for you. When you put your faith in Him, He will bring His peace, wholeness and blessing to every part of your life. When you give Him the opportunity, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. It is said in Romans 16, 20. To summarize, I would say, many will have questions coming up in their minds about the present sufferings, even though they might be faithful to God and what He is doing. Hebrews 11 has people of faith not experiencing the fulfillment of God's promises in their lives. But then, Hebrews 12 tells us how He is disciplining us for He loves us. Yes, use this time to pray, to connect with Him, to help others, to reach out to others. And we shall be, as Jesus says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What things? All that you are wanting, including the peace and the wholeness, as is explained in Shalom. Let us pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this word today, that it reach out to everyone.